I did see they're still in Milo's T. Choke up on your microphone. Oh, you got to play along if you're going to play along. So, so yeah, they're selling Milo's tea at Walmart in Santa Fe. I know the world has gotten better. It's gotten. What's I don't get why Milo's tea ages out. I didn't know it did. I don't. Apparently, yeah, it has a a best used by date on it. Well, everything does. Salt has that. So it 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 loses its potency of deliciousness. Well, I, I. Tea gets old. I mean, there's no question. Old iced well, tea, tea tastes like old iced tea. Really bad when it yeah, gets no, old. Yeah, no, it tastes right. old. But, but they actually, but they make real sweet tea like that. That's cooked in sh- legit sugar in oh. Milo's. That's the real deal. That's so. And I'm a Southerner, so I can tell you with authority what uh, what I, sweet tea. I like. think it's life changing. <laughs> Everybody, pre-accident podcast. I'm Todd Conklin, your host. I'm back. You, uh, if you thought I was going to be back, I'm back. I am so back. Well, thank you, first of all and foremost, for all the great comments on the new book. Jeez, you guys, stop already. I guess it's working okay, though. I mean, people are pretty into it, and uh, they enjoy the discussion. A little bit of controversy. I like a little controversy. I'm. There is a little controversy in this book. There's no question about it. So it might make you crazy. If you're feeling sensitive, don't buy it. If you're brave, buy it. Either way, I'm so dang glad you're on the podcast. Thanks for tuning into the pod. Things are great, man. So today's podcast is kind of a, a, (laughs) well, what happens if you put four people in a room and ask them some questions? And that's what we did. So it's kind of a, it's a, a panel discussion. If you were at a conference, this would be a panel discussion, except it's a little more fun than that. And anything that starts with a discussion on Milo's Tea, who, by the way, is not a sponsor, but holy cow, their tea's good. It, uh, it's, it's quite a, it's good. It's yummy. Um, anything that starts with a discussion on Milo's Tea is a good place to be. That's, if you ask me, that is a, that is a good kickoff point for any other discussion you can imagine. And that's how it started. So here's the deal with the podcast today. So Bob Edwards... Mark Yeston, uh, uh, Andrea Baker, myself, eventually Ivan Puppolitti was there, uh, uh, a whole gang of us, uh, were together for a, a strategy session. What we were looking at, um, and it was a good session is we were kind of looking at, um, what is the future? Where, where is this all going? So what, what should we be thinking about? In the future, because th- that's a pretty important part of what happens, and that's kind of what this discussion is. It, uh, it, it's, it's really a discussion of the stages of development, the toll gates, the I don't know what you call it, process steps, whatever word you're comfortable with from your discipline you can use here, uh, of how an organization really goes through the transformative exercise of moving from re- the old view of safety to the new view of safety. How's that for sounding heady? But that's what the discussion was about. And that transformative, transformative motion uh, seems to fall into some distinct categories that the order made a difference in. And that's kind of what we started talking about. So, so this podcast is a discussion around that very topic. And I think the very best thing to do is say, first of all, thanks for listening. Secondly, tell your friends, bring more people on board. And then to shut up and, and just take you to the podcast. Because I think you'll find this interesting. It starts kind of, well, it starts with a question. And it moves from that question into quite a little discussion. See what you think. Here is a, 
here is Bob and Mark and Andrea and Todd just chatting about um, what transformative change looks like in an organization that's moving to higher reliability. So here we go. It's, it, changed, it's, it changed my life. My life is better because yes. of that. Because of that. So if there were a model, no, no, no this, let's take that back. If there were some kind of um, uh, arc of which sort of diffusing hop into an organization, what would it look like? And why am I asking this question? And why are you looking at me? <laughs> why are you looking at you? Like, what, what yeah, are you well, talking about? When are you going to start? So, so some some stages, if you will, some yeah, that's some, the word I general, couldn't think of. Some general, general stages, yeah, general stages. Because we've definitely done this enough to see that there's some things that seem to work pretty well, and some things that okay, this didn't work. We can't do it like that next. Yeah, time. we definitely know it doesn't work. That's for sure. No. Yeah, so instead of inventing what you think will work, why don't you talk about what you've seen work? Because you've all had a lot of experience. Oh, is that like that. A, 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 an actual statement of what we should do? I think or is threw, that just like I a, think you just told us to do something. No, I think you threw down. Right right, there. Okay. <laughs> I think we had too much tea. <laughs> uh, well, we know. I and think you ate that muffin thing. or that croissant. Croissant. I have croissant. The, uh, I, I mean, the first thing I think we all experienced at some point is that if we don't if we don't have conversations, kind of with the right people at the beginning, up front, when we're talking about. So, Paradigm shift in thought. Okay, so who are the right people? Because that's yeah, a- yeah. You, you really do have to get to to whoever the the leaders are. Whether we're talking about senior leadership for the organization or local leadership, if we're doing you know these discussions just at a local level. And what are those conversations? What's that characterize them for me? What do they look like? It's really about a shift in thought process, making sure that they're they're ready to buy in to the the amount of change that we're going to have around how we're thinking not just about safety but but how we how we think about people in in our organizations and how we think about systems um making sure that they understand as well that, that we're not really talking about a program we're talking about a operating philosophy so when they work what do they look like give me an appreciative inquiry in that so what what makes them good the the people or the discussions the discussions the, the people, I'm assuming, because they <laughs> like small children and they're always good. Right? They give to charity and they never poke people with sticks. That makes people good. What makes the discussion good? I, I mean, I think being able to to walk away with a really clear picture of kind of what a, a traditional view looks like versus versus a new view and, and understanding um, how much of a departure in our current thought process it's going to take uh, to have the organization see that difference. Um, and really, really appreciating that there is a difference in the value of it. And realizing that it can't be done without their support. I mean, leadership support. I love what Daniel Humberdahl says. He says, we're not kicking leadership to the curb. We need them yeah. to be a part they of this. They have to play. An integral part of it, this. In my mind, you guys, I want a certain amount of pushback. Because if I don't get pushback from leadership, that tells me kind of they don't care. Or, or they're just kind of walking through the motion. Or, or, or they not, already have the answer. Or, or they're they not understanding that there is a change. Right? So I, I would... I would highly agree. And I think that one of the things that sometimes makes folks nervous that haven't gone through that process is when there is pushback, um, they feel as though it, it can be a negative thing. And in fact, I would agree with you a hundred percent. If there isn't pushback, I'm terrified. You're not going to um, do them like you're going to agree with like 97%. No, yeah. I always throw out percentages. I'm just, I'm very specific. About not 90, 90, I'm 90, no, hundred percent, hundred percent in agreement because, um, 
Yeah, I think the only time that I have ever felt as though one of those conversations has not gone well is when everyone agreed with me because I feel as though they didn't hear it. Yeah. So what it, kind of pushback is your favorite? Accountability. accountability. I want them to talk yeah. about account. Well, two things. I want them to talk about accountability and discipline because then that gives us the opportunity to talk yeah. about accountability and discipline. Yep. And then I want them to push back on metrics. It should really freak them out at least at, least at the oh, – that's probably the wrong word. It should really give them pause when you talk to them about the fact that accidents, in fact, aren't preventable and that what you really manage – accidents manage you. So what you really manage is the capacity for the organization to fail safely. That that conversation has to be organic and has to live with them. And then you want them to, to come back and you and say, well, okay, what should I measure? What does this look like? What do you want me to do differently? Because then you can talk really not so much about the metrics – you know, I'm pretty convinced you tie metrics to actions, not to philosophies. We've had that discussion all morning. But you can really talk to them about um, ways to understand um, increased engagement from workers or better understanding and operational learning, which all kind of becomes a part of it. Yeah, and I think, too, that's like when we start talking about what they want to know, what am, what am I going to see different? What am I going to get out of this? And so when we start talking about when we open this conversation up, and we deliberately vector, as you like to say, vector away from blame and punish towards learn and improve, then you have to be ready for what you're about to learn. Yeah. There's somebody from Southern Company, I can't remember who it was, they said, we quote that all the time, Bob, we're like, okay, manager person, whoever you are, you ask for the real story, I'm about to give you the real story, so you have to be ready for this, because it's not going to be maybe what you thought it was. So, so you're kind ask, of preparing them for that. You're asking leaders to gird their loins? Yeah, gird Which them. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody gird like... their loins, but... I think they used to do it in the old days. There's a lot of loin girding in the old days, but but that, that notion that they're going to hear the truth, it should scare them. And to me, if I were stage one is this senior engagement, senior buy-in, senior really exposure, senior fluency. I mean, I'm not sure you get buy-in and engagement in the first meeting, but you build vocabulary and you sort of introduce the ideas. To me, the most important thing is to realize that you have enough time with them. So if I were to cut that stage one of the of the journey into changing safety in your organization, it would be that you spend more time with leadership, way more time with leadership than you do with the actual workers. Because in my mind, and you guys should disagree if you think I'm wrong, this change into the new view is really not a change the workers have to do very much in. It's they, a relief for them. Yeah, like, right. it almost takes time. crap off the yeah, table. Yeah. Like if, if you think about what Decker's thinking about now, or, or what Drew's thinking about uh, the stuff they're doing in Australia, where they're actually removing all procedures out of the workplace, that actually gives the worker more adaptive freedom and kind of takes some of the moral obligation that they have as workers off the plate. But it actually increases then the activity that leadership has to have. So did we miss anything else? So stage one, one yeah. is really this leadership fluency. Yeah. Um, what I don't want to. What's a better word than fluency? It, and I think engagement's too much. That's the outcome, but it's the leadership. I mean, they're they're accepting. They're 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 acknowledgement or hosting or what? I, mean, I don't know. What's the right interest. priming? Priming. Interest. Priming is kind of yeah, nice. Perhaps interest. interest. Leadership interest. Leadership peak. Interest. We could use the word peak, but not P E A K or P E E K E K. Leadership. P I Q U E. So leadership interest. That, that means I don't think I actually know, or maybe I'm pretty sure I don't know, but I'm interested in this enough to say, let's take that next step forward and let's see what this does. Okay, so let's call stage one leadership interest. I like it. Okay, bing, done. What's, what's stage two? I, I think, think this one's obvious. Yeah, this one's obvious. I, I think it goes back to that 
that statement you said about fluency, it's trying to create a little bit of that fluency, and that's through the through fundamentals. Right. Yeah. And so it's a fundamental discussion of the principles of of really human performance, human organizational performance, whatever you call it. Um, that fundamentals discussion has to include what? At least, at least at minimum, it's got to include the five principles. Okay, so five principles. Okay, ready, Bob? Yep. What are the five principles? Error is normal. Gotcha. Blame fixes nothing. Check. Systems drive behavior. Roger that. Learning and improving is vital. Ten four. And response matters. matters. Yep. That's right. Management's response. Your response. At, at your response. Period. I mean, everybody's response matters. Whether I'm going to yeah. respond by giving you a better understanding of what I did, and then how you accept that. I mean, this response. That is. That is pretty much. That's a. That's a post millennial answer. Everybody wins this game. <laughs> right? Everyone's that's participant. Right. Okay. So what else needs to be in that fundamentals class? So what's the point of the fundamentals class? I would say the, the point is to help people at least begin. I, I wouldn't say that the paradigm shift in thought has, has been completed, but begin that paradigm shift in thought to, to walk away with a, a different view of not only the definition of safety, but also blame how how we respond and how that's working currently to to walk into the room with maybe one view and walk out with some of those views adjusted and walking out of fundamentals with some new vocabulary yeah and that that's easy to convey to other people and allows you to have conversations that you might not otherwise have been able to have yeah and it's really paving paving the way for us to even understand the value of of operational learning as well so making sure that all of those things are are bringing us to the stage after. Ooh, that's interesting. So the fundamentals really sets the organization up to learn. It creates a success path for the organization to get better at operational learning. Uh, in my mind, actually, it's, it's removing some of those barriers. That's actually that a, good, a yeah. pretty good objective. So I would tell you that I, to me, what the fundamentals needs to do, and I probably look at this differently, is I think it builds um, curiosity. It, it, it builds desire to know more. Because the best way you're going to get these people, especially at the kind of the management level, to learn more is to get them interested so they'll go out and actually find more. Um, definitely, I agree with you that it's a redefinition of what success is. It's the more contemporary success is not the absence of failure. It's the presence of capacity. And in my mind, the principles really um, become the structure by which you have that fundamentals discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say and, it. And, and you build in the, the capacity to, to refer to those yeah. in all these different situations as we move forward. Well, they use them as kind of a check, Yeah. right? So um, you're yeah. looking at everything you do and sort of running it through the test like, of these five Like principles. my eight-year-old does when he throws his jacket up and gets it hung on the on the, uh, the little marquee thing at the theater, and we have to climb up and get it down, and I'm frustrated with him. And he says, Dad, remember, blame fixes nothing. That's right. It right? fixes nothing. That's right. But making him not wear a jacket in the middle of the winter would fix a lot of problems. <laughs> but that would be cruel and inhuman. Right. So that's a part of it as well. So anything else about fundamentals that we're missing? It's I think it's vital. I think it needs to have enough time. Mm-hmm. And you have to create a space where people can sort of shift philosophically because it really is a philosophical shift. So it's not going to have a lot of action items at the end of it. Right. Because it's, I, a, it's a philosophical change. I mean, unless you can measure changing your mind which 
Oh, we could. So yeah, I we haven't can figured make a that metric out yet. For that, we could have my like you get the smiley face or the little frowny oh, face. Oh, on. like they use it when they do customer service surveys at yes. airports and stuff or bathrooms. Where we you have push one them. question for you to answer: Have you changed your mind? Yes or no? Yes, maybe. Yes, <laughs> maybe. no, maybe. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah. So we could use like a Likert scale and do five. <laughs> kind of changed my mind. How much of your mind has changed? Yeah, totally changed my mind. Kind of changed my mind. Neutral. Sort of. Didn't change my mind. Totally didn't change my mind. Right. And don't ever invite me to this again. Yeah, and this right. is stupid, so quit doing it, right? So that's good. So, okay, so fundamentals then. So we've got senior interest. We've got a leadership interest, which actually sort of buys us permission to move in and, and talk about the philosophical shift. Then we have the fundamentals, which expands greatly beyond senior leaders. And that's where we really talk about sort of the principles of this new understanding of how we'll manage high-risk work in order to create resilience and reliability. What's uh, what's the third stage? Bob, I think it's I think yours. The, yeah, no, we're going to pass this over to you, Bob. I'm not going to answer it. So. <laughs> I think that might be something along the lines of operational learning. So operational learning is just a very practical, real thing to go do. You know, we, we call them learning teams. Uh, Mark, you know, you do them with your pre-job, post-jobs, right? So it's all about mm-hmm. learning right. and learning about the real, what really goes on out there and how work really has, to, well, all the adaptation that people have to do to actually get the work done. It's the black line, blue line conversation. Right. That we, you know, and so it takes on lots of different forms. Right? The, the learning team is one. That's just one, but it's a very good one. And it's a way to either work with events that have happened or near misses. And now we're moving into this world of like studying success. And so uh, it, it, that's one way you do uh, the post-job pre-job learning mark. What I mean, what, what, how does that come? It's, it's a great place to see the feedback. When management's curious about what's going on and they uh, create the space to actually listen to people that are doing the work, who are the only people who can tell you what's good or bad about your plans or what's outdated, what's not serving them anymore, or where they've drifted to to actually get the job done. Uh, Management's response and being curious, number one, and uh, taking that information and doing whatever they can to make life better within the finite resources that they have. Don't shoot the messenger. You'll kill the message, right? It initially is a little bit spooky because you start to hear things that yeah. you didn't that used to hear. You used right. to see like a whole I bunch of green word. lights on a page and my dashboard looks fantastic. Things are humming right along. Right. And we have a 20% improvement over last year. Exactly. We're gotta, always going to get a Got to fear the green, baby. Fear the green. That's I love right. the word spooky. Spooky, spooky. Yeah. spooky just, uh, just yeah. seems like such a great word. And then, and, the, and then you hear this stuff and then people um, will feel free to disclose a bit more right. and a and bit just more builds, and a right, bit more. And, it's just, and then now it's moving into this cool thing where we're actually getting to do like, I don't even know what to call it yet, but it's like a, a learning process walk. I mean, it's like even beyond like the learning team, which is some, a little more maybe event or, or singular focus, but, right. but to this notion of, Hey, with this hop lens or this new view lens to actually go through and start to look at complexity and, and confusion points and, and where are those steps we can't, there are things we can't step back from, right? Those critical steps right. and central controls. So it's kind of cool that the learning piece, that's why I think operational learning is a nice category to call all this stuff because it, it's growing as we're doing it. So I, I think, think that's interesting though because I would have told you 10 years ago that learning was a human performance tool, it, not a human performance stage. And I think I've really changed the way I think about learning i always knew learning was important i mean that that makes sense but now what i realize is i really do think it's a developmental stage it's a part of the process yeah where you go out and actually 
it seems unbelievable, but you actually go out and talk to your workers about how work is being done, right. um, which strikes me as nutty. That we have to say that? Yeah, why? I mean, yeah, except that people don't do, do it. Right, I mean, and we haven't, yeah. But, but I like what Troy uh, Sorensen says where he says it's, it's, it becomes a belief in learning. I think that's kind of cool. We actually believe that learning is important enough that it, it's, we value it, right? We're, gonna, we're going to go learn. We have to go learn. If we don't learn, we're not going to be able to get better. And I, I think this stage actually is a, if I'm picturing it as a puzzle, it's a very intricate and interesting puzzle piece because it, it's kind of this, it's a bridge in my mind. And it's, a, and it's a bridge because it's not only teaching us what we need to be able to do to get the right input data for us to, to move further on with this journey, but it's also providing an, sort of an anecdotal body of proof of everything we just talked about in the human performance principles. So it kind of, it, it does, it does both. It, 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 it makes sure that we're seeing in, in our own organizations, in our real life, um, how our response is extremely important and, and why everything that we've talked about around blame, around mistakes being normal, how true all of those things are. Um, and so it helps reinforce those concepts, but then it also provides the very real concrete information that we need in order for us to, to improve. And don't you see it as restorative? Like I see learning and listening to the worker and having them help me make it better. It changes the whole count- accountability conversation. Yeah, you may have messed up, Mark, but guess what? I, I actually need you. Help, help me make this better. So now the system gets better. The organization gets some restoration. And oh, by the way, you do too because you didn't come to work to mess that up. So this learning process has been really helpful to actually, I'd say, build a more healthy, better accountability where people that may have messed up help me fix it. And you got to stay the course early on because when you start asking things differently, again, getting back to the spooky part, when you see that you're getting more reporting, does that mean you're getting better or getting worse? Yeah, right. I would argue that if you're doing it well and you're doing it right, it means you're getting better and you're probably going to get a whole lot better in the future. But really, I think one of the things that we sort of soft pedal or we don't talk about is really what we're asking organizations to do is collect data and analyze data, right? Collect information and analyze information. That sounds kind of clinical. Oh, it is clinical, but I... Be curious and seek understanding. But one of the things things I think is interesting is that we have these, these amazing organizations that do amazing work that really don't do very much analysis around how people perform. Right. I mean, they, they, they measure take. they measure productivity. And they measure, yeah, so they measure the outcome, but, but they don't they, measure how they got there. Yeah, they don't measure how the performance happens. Right. And I, I find that to be um, kind of refreshing because once they start doing the analysis like that, they get – I mean, they, they just learn more. They become it's interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's way more oh God. Yeah. 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 It's super interesting. That part's amazing. And I don't think that we've had a lack of quantity of data previously we've got lots of data it's just unfortunately the the data wasn't nearly as helpful as we were hoping it would be um and it's because what we were collecting really didn't help us differentiate between whether we were good or lucky at the time a large quantity but not really the quality of work that we have quality of information and that shift i think is a big part of yeah that's that's actually well that's all that's all really related to the fact that what we're learning is that we don't really manage reliable outcomes based upon probability we manage reliable outcomes based upon capacity which is kind of a big shift i it mean is. if you think about it that that's, that's that's a huge change so okay so stage one is senior interest stage two is fundamentals theory 
Stage three is analysis and discovery. We call that operational learning, Mm -hmm. right? What's stage four? Now now it gets mysterious. I thought that stage four was retirement. No. (laughs) But let me just repeat this word. That's spooky. (laughs) That's spooky. So I'd say uh, um, stage four is kind of an alignment and integration of these concepts into some of the other pieces of our organization, specifically the programs that we already have in place. Um, so as we're moving on and we're moving forward, uh, a lot of the things that we've established and created historically kind of with a traditional view are no longer aligning with our, our paradigm shift in thought. And those present themselves as um, sometimes barriers in some cases, um, but then also uh, opportunities for us to, to add and change. So if we're looking at something as simple as how we're doing um, inspection processes. Um, what do we need to do to change how we're physically doing those to make sure that they're aligning better with our our new thought process around human organizational performance? It starts to change what's actually baked into the site. Or right, what's baked into the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so what you're saying, if I can rephrase it, tell me if I'm wrong, is that transformation and sustainable change only happens if you change the system in which the sustainable change and transformation has to happen. So asking people to be different is nice, but actually changing the way you do maintenance inspection or investigation of failure or pre-job, post-job, pre-job, post-job, or even policy, even even discipline, procedures, uh, sort of organizational justice issues. All those things have to contemporarily move at the same speed with um, with the, with the philosophical change, yeah, much more eloquently than I said it. So yeah. why is that? Just, why is that not stage one? Uh, well, one, you have to have organizational buy-in up to yeah. that point. I mean, it, you can't. And I'm sure somebody could come in and try to try to sell you a program or a package that says just adopt all of these policies. But realistically, unless unless you believe that that's the right way to move forward, it's not going to mean anything. And I think you'd have to ask this. So I agree with you. I think it fits perfectly after you get good at learning. When you start sort of identifying and analyzing what's going on in your workplace, then then the old answers are no longer sufficient. Andrea and I were in a a class yesterday where a really good leader, and it's really obvious to me that he's really, like you want to work for this guy, he's a really good guy. He was really struggling with the fact that they had a – very, very, very significant event involving, in this case, a line clearance um, with a crew of people working. So if you if you if you violate a line clearance, the outcome is generally the crew then dies because I mean, whatever wasn't electrified becomes electrified. Uh, in this case, they had a secondary barrier, which is so interesting. I'd be interested in your feedback on that energy. They didn't even realize that was important to the story and yet that's the reason nobody died it was a secondary defense so it was really a, a very robust system but the the manager he, he he said the worker told us he did not understand the clearance and then he called on the radio and he did not understand the clearance so then they called on the telephone and the worker said he did not understand the clearance and then he said and i can't believe the worker did it wrong well, so if you tell me three times that the worker didn't understand the clearance. Hey, I'm about to get this wrong. Yeah. Can I'm, I try it on the phone? Yeah. Hey, can you hear me better now? I'm yeah. about to get this wrong. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I'm really going to get it wrong now. <laughs> right? Then that becomes really an interesting part of what happens. And to me, the learning system that they were using to understand this failure 
was such an artifact of the old thinking that they felt like they had to take the action they took, even though he said he's one of the best guys, super nice guy, really trying hard. But we had to do that because our rules say if you violate a clearance, this is the punishment. Right. And, and I think that the important piece and, and the piece when you know you're kind of ready to start making that change is when when we asked him, did you want to write him up? Did it feel like the right thing to do? Well, it seemed like the no. fair thing to do because that's what we've done in the past. But, right. but even, yeah, so yeah. it wasn't, he said no, but I felt I, I had to. It was actually out of my hands. I had to. Yeah. So we start running into wow. barriers like that. Isn't that crazy? Over yeah. and over again. And what's funny is that's not a failure of a bad leader. He wasn't a bad leader. He's actually the opposite. He was a super good leader. That's a failure of a, a misalignment, if we use the words that yeah. Andrea sort of introduced to us there on stage four, that we hadn't yet aligned our operational parameters for the way we manage people and performance mm-hmm. with the more contemporary understanding of human performance as it exists in real life. And so that realignment or alignment, I guess you don't ever realign something. Um, can no, you realign you can get stuff? a realignment of your front tires if you hit a pothole. That assumes it was aligned. It assumes it was start. aligned first. Okay. That's right. So, so that realignment, if it were in fact aligned or it could be a new alignment. I don't know if that's a... Andrea hit a pothole yesterday that was about as big as I've ever seen a person. I, I'm actually a little bit surprised it didn't eat the car. Rental car. I found it. But I'm not complaining because I didn't have to drive, so I'm completely happy. So so that alignment piece... Is she a better parker than I am? Because I got a record. Bob, virtually everyone on earth is a better parker than you. If we ever have time to tell the parking story, we should tell the parking story. What's interesting is that is alignment a stage. I mean, you said it was. I, well, yeah. yeah. So, so um, I, I might change my mind on this in the future. So I'm, I, but oh, I well, think okay. You always have that problem. Okay, so that's right. not so, going away. I think uh, yes, and the only reason I say yes is not because it's got a very um, discreet um, ending, but I think there is a point in time where we have a fairly discreet time where it makes sense to begin, um, and. And that's because of that buy-in piece, right? So we have to have enough individuals and leaders within the organization um, that have a thought process that we are aligning to. Well, it's definitely what, uh, again, I keep harping on it, but Drew Ray, Decker, Hongaigal, to an extent David Woods for sure. It's it's what the theoretics, it's, it's, it's kind of where all the academics are going, right? But I would actually pause it, and you guys jump in. I think it is, in fact, a stage. Also saving the prerogative to change my mind later. And the reason I think it's a stage is because I think it's something that an organization can learn to do for itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so we it doesn't want them to. Yeah. In fact, I think it sucks if it's done externally by a consultant or by somebody else. I don't think you can. Well, it seems goofy too. Right. There's, there's no, although there are things that, you know, we can learn that seem to work well and seem not to work well in other places. And there's always um, some suggestions that you can give. There's no way that anyone from the outside understands the organization the way someone from the inside does and understanding at what point in time you can make a shift, how big is that decision, how how many people is that going to affect. Those are all decisions that someone internally has that operational intelligence to manage. The same way we collectively wouldn't go in and try to manage someone's work for them as a worker, somebody turning a wrench. We, you know, we just talked about an operational learning you wouldn't want to make the same mistake while you're trying to align management systems. It has to be the people who 
are those that are closest to the management. That's really, I think it's actually pretty powerful to think at a discrete stage. Yeah. I mean, if our whole premise is ask the people who know the most and have the most valuable information that isn't presently being and disclosed have to live with it. And then at the same time say, well, you know, use an expert, you know, and, and outsource this, that that's antithetical yeah. to what we're after. So it's a stage to teach it. It's a teaching Siri, stage. what is it's antithetical? A... <laughs> <laughs> help me. Help me. There is a Walmart three miles on the left. <laughs> so integration. So if we have senior interest and engagement as stage one, fundamentals as stage two, operational learning as stage three, integration, or really the ability for an organization to align and integrate for themselves based upon this new view, then what do we think stage five is? And I think we have data, at least between the four of us, um, to actually speak of this uh, quite realistically. I don't think this is a future state. I think I think we kind of know where this ultimately goes, right. at now, least now. I think now. you should write a book about Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I think we pass this one back to you. What's stage five? Talk. So I think stage five is really around fatalities, catastrophic failures. I think stage five takes everything we've learned and actually and actually stipulates. It actually says we can use these tools that we best understand how humans perform in our organization to actually prevent catastrophic loss, either of product not necessarily prevent catastrophic occurrences, but prevent catastrophic loss. That's a really a good point. Right. In fact, we will have the components, the conditions necessary to have a catastrophic occurrence will be in our systems. We will fail. Accidents are not preventable. What we're going to actually manage for is the catastrophic outcomes of reputational harm. Asset loss. Asset harm to loss, human beings. Yeah, right, harm to people. All the things we care about. Right, the things that matter the most. And I think we do that by understanding, really, the alignment and integration of the organization's processes to the five principles that exist around how humans perform and our constant ability to create operational feedback by learning. Grounded and, in that fundamental paradigm shift yeah, and thought. Yeah, and the fact that, that accidents are going to happen and that accidents really aren't the presence of failure. They're really the absence of, of capacity, Right. And I think that looks in some way like um, – I think it looks at a system that identifies where the highest potential for catastrophic failure is in the process, where the highest goal conflict or pain point exists in the process, and then actually provides really a series of controls, whatever they look like. Or relief valves. Yeah, uh, pressure relief or whatever those barriers i mean we could use almost any of the words we know how to use to actually manage the presence of or absence of the exposure to the catastrophic failure so whether you're running um a, a, a biopharmaceutical process with high potential loss uh, of finances in life or whether you're running a, a, a lineman crew in south florida you're able to sort of say, we know what kills people, and when they happen, these controls are really what we count on to not have the catastrophic loss. I, th- I kind of think that's that's at least the next stage. I don't think it's the lo- – I mean, maybe it's the last stage. I don't know, I don't know if we're going to be around much longer um, the way we drive. <laughs> I mean, that's, it seems like we're at the end of life. So – 
that's kind of what we want. Is, does that cover the five stages? Is that enough? I think it's it's what we know now. So so yeah, for for now it's enough. I think because we, I think that's where we are with the thought process. Um, I think that's what we know. I don't know, Mark. Based on what we're seeing. Yeah, based yeah. on experience and failure and trial and error, try storming and successes. Last tidbits. Anything you want to throw out there? Final thoughts. No. What are you thinking? The goal is to work ourselves out of jobs. Yeah, I always be, think that's that should be the be goal anytime. Continuing uh, presence to be yeah. able to give organizations the capacity to do this well and on their own and mature it in ways that we'll probably be able to come back and say, "Wow, I wish we would have thought up in the beginning." Yeah, and I think I think part of our mission. I don't know if this is gonna translate the way I'm thinking about it in my head, but part of our mission is to make each of these pieces equally unattractive or equally attractive so that nothing nothing is so shiny that we try to jump ahead and kind of put the cart before the horse because yeah. each of these pieces are kind of fundamental building blocks that are necessary for an organization to transform and it's really easy to want to you know shortcut it grab that diet pill jump to the mm-hmm. end um magic bullet are you thinking magic bullet yeah but it's not magic. a magic spooky bullet spooky bullet spooky bullet um <laughs> But uh, I mean, we've seen we've seen organizations try to do that, and unfortunately, as as um, as nice as that might seem to do, it, it doesn't it doesn't work the way we would hope it would. So we kind of have to recognize that this still is this is a change in thought process, um, and it requires those changes in order to kind of get through these these stages. What are people afraid to get rid of? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, generally speaking, there's a lot of uh, – I don't want to get rid of the way that has brought me to where I've gotten to right. because if I get rid of my rules, the whole place will go to hell, right? I mean, there's be people running anarchy. with scissors. And Absolutely. It's going to be terrible, right? And so what's crazy is the is understanding that it, when you give up – when you give up that kind of discipline – I don't want to say control. When you give up sort of the old thinking – Structure. Yeah, the structure – you actually probably increase freedom, and we know you increase reliability. So it's interesting to watch. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I'm yeah, me too. I'm done. I'm, the well is empty. You go to the well. There's nothing. Well, I think we should just celebrate for a moment that we're all in the same place at the same time and not just colliding into each other at airports. That's right. <laughs> really we, nice. did, this is true. we didn't meet at the corner of Chicago O'Hare that sells Oakley sunglasses exactly. and Starbucks coffee yes. and has a giant dinosaur on the other side. That's it. Everyone will know that. All right. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. So what'd you think? Huh? It was kind of fun, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that podcast. It was, uh, it was fun. It was, it was, it was a good way to get friends together. We should do more of those. I, in fact, I think that would be a good goal. That's my goal for 2020 is to do more four-person podcasts. Until then, my friends, thanks for listening. Tell all your friends to listen. Thanks for buying the book, too. Five Principles of Human Performance. You're the best. Until then, uh, let's see. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe. I can't even believe I made it through this. This is, it's a miracle. This was a January 25th miracle.